We're in a series looking at godly character, looking at godly character. One thing that we see, a theme that runs through the Word of God, is we see something very familiar over and over and over again, and it matters, it matters how you live your life. It matters how you conduct yourself. God cares about your character, not only how you live it before others, but mostly how you live your life before God. And um, one thing that we see in the life of Jesus and, and his character and how he lived before others, we notice this one thing, and that's humility. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to talk about humility. So I'm so glad that you came today because, because the opposite side of humility is pride. And how many of us know it's, it's much harder to walk in humility than it is to walk in pride? Right? It's easy because that, that's the default. Pride is the default. So we're going to talk about that. How do we act when we're mistreated? How do we act when we're mistreated? And that will really show what's going on in our heart. If someone could sum up your life in one word, what would they say? If someone could just sum up your life and what, not what you think your life is like, but with someone else, your spouse or someone that's close to you, it's interesting to think about that. Um, you know, when you go for a job interview, right, they ask you many questions in the job interview, and they ask you questions like, you know, what are your greatest weaknesses? Like, if you could share some of your weaknesses, and you might say things like, well, my greatest weakness is I'm just so nice, right? I'm so nice, and, you know, people, you know, tend to take advantage of me, or one of my weaknesses, I just work too hard. I just, I just work way too hard, right? At, you know, being a pastor so many years and having different people that I've had to interview uh, for, for jobs, you have to call their references. And when you call their references, uh, people are normally going to give you uh, the people that they're closest to, and then they're paying off those people to say good things about them, right? And, and you know, when you think about references or when you go through a job interview, yes, they, they are looking for the qualifications. Are you competent to do the job, but they're also looking for character. What's your character? And really, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at what is our character in God? What does it mean to have godly character? What angered the religious elite during the time of Jesus was that Jesus exposed their hypocrisy. They looked religious on the outside, yet they were corrupt on the inside. And what they lacked was character. God cares about your character. And we define character this way. Character includes our thoughts, our habits, our temperament, our judgment, our attitudes, our motives, our, and our behavior. All these things make up our character. And so we're to keep a close eye. We talked about this last week. We're to keep a close eye on our attitudes. Because our attitudes, the way we live out our lives, is a reflection of what's going on inside of our lives. So if we have a bad attitude, right, it's not everybody else. It's usually something that's going on in your own heart or a lack of character. Our attitude is our mindset. It's the thoughts of our heart. Our mindset should be wrapped, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, our mindset and our hearts need to be wrapped around the gospel message. And here's the point. We cannot live out the gospel fully unless we understand humility. Unless we truly understand what is humility. And when we look at the life of Christ, we understand that he laid his life down willingly for you and I. 
to become a servant, not to be served, but to serve us and humble himself, even humble himself to a death on a cross. And that, that's part of the gospel message. Part of the gospel message is this humility that Jesus walked in to, to, to reach us and to save us and to cover our sins. And so God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes what? The proud. God gives grace to the humble. He blesses those that are humble in heart. So God desires us to approach everything in our lives with humility. And so humility is seen in how we approach God and also how we approach others or how we interact with others. It's not an option. God commands those of us who follow Christ to walk in humility. Let me give you a couple of Old Testament pa- passages here from, the, from Isaiah the prophet. And he talks about how God comes near the lowly, how he comes near the contrite in heart. Listen to Isaiah 57, 15. The word of God says this. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. What God is saying here, what Isaiah is saying here, God is saying to us, I'm up here and we're down here. I am the one who is in control. I am the high and lofty one, but the ones that I come to, the ones that I seek, the ones that I bless are the ones that are contrite in heart. And it's this interesting Hebrew word. It's a Hebrew word, dakha. Everybody say it together. Dakha, right? You got to spit and got to make like you're doing a loogie when you speak Hebrew. So it's dakha. And this, this word is really interesting. What this word literally means is to crumble. It means to crumble. And what it means is this. It means God comes near to those who allow themselves to be crumbled before the Lord, to be brought low before the Lord. Now, what it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that God is harsh and you sit there and say, I'm going to make you low. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get you in a headlock and make you follow me. No, what he's saying is for those who are truly remorseful, who understand who God is and how gracious and loving and powerful and awesome he is. It puts us in that lowly state of mind, that contrite heart, that remorseful heart that comes to him and finds forgiveness, finds forgiveness of our sins. God says, I come from here and I'll come low and I'll come to you and I will heal you and I will be near you and I will comfort you. But I only come to those who are crushed or crumbled in spirit before me. That's the beginning of humility, is to understand who God is and who we are. It's to understand that God God is the high and lofty one, that we are privileged to worship him and to serve him. If we don't understand that, then pride is going to get in our way, and we're going to feel like we deserve things, and that God owes it to us. But our hearts need to crumble before him. Isaiah 66, 2 says this, and I love this. God says, has not my hand made all things, all these things? And so they come into being, declares the Lord. Have I not made? Am I not creator? These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Tremble at my word. We may wonder how I can get close to God. Well, you get close to God through humility. When we approach God with humility, we put our pride and our self-resilience aside. 
It's this attitude that I don't deserve, earn, or merit God's grace. Everything we have is from God's grace and mercy. It recognizes that we are entirely dependent on God. And so what Jesus does for us, when he came down to earth and he lived among us as fully God and fully man, he displays his humility for us and, as, and also as an example to live by. And what Paul says is, he, he says, I want your attitude to be just like Christ Jesus. And he explains this as he writes to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 2. And we've been kind of digging into this verse over the last couple weeks. And I love this because it shows us how Christ lived his life before us. Listen to what Paul says. He talks about Jesus. He says, who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus chose to live among us and humble himself, even humble himself to a death on a cross. So what can we learn from the example that Christ left for us that Paul says here. Jesus, being God, had every right to be served, yet he chose the way of a servant to obey his Father. I like what the ESV study notes say here. They say this about this verse, this passage in Philippians. It says, while he had every right to stay comfortably where he was, in a position of power, his love drove him to a position of weakness for the sake of of sinful mankind. And I want you to understand, not weakness as an insecurity, but actually by Jesus doing this, showed his security and who he was in his Father and how he was pleasing to obey the will of the Father. Jesus was secure in his relationship with his Father by taking a lowly position. It wasn't beneath him. He absolutely, 100% understood that the only way to reach us was by giving his life on the cross, by becoming a sacrifice for you and I, by allowing our sins to be placed upon his shoulder. See, we must ask ourselves this. We must ask ourselves, if, if Christ is willing to serve and didn't see anything beneath him, then we too must have the same attitude exact same Andrew. This is what Paul is saying. Our love for Christ and what he did for us causes us, should cause us to walk in humility. Now, this is something that we have to remind ourselves every single day because pride is always there. And if our mind is not on the gospel, if our mind is not on the word of God and the spirit of Christ every single day as we, as we walk with him, then guess what's going to fill that gap is our pride. It's going to be me. It's going to be my selfishness because we're not always going to get our way. People are going to come against us. Um, Things are going to happen that, that, that do not make sense. And if we're not careful, we forget about the grace and the love and the mercy of Christ in our lives and that Jesus actually suffered for us and that he understands what we go through and he understands our suffering. We lose, we lose that mentality very quickly because this entitled spirit can quickly creep in if our minds are not set on the gospel, if we're not constantly preaching the gospel to ourselves. So we must ask ourselves the same thing. If nothing was beneath Christ then we too must have that same attitude. I was watching a, a movie 
And uh, at the part of the movie, there's this part where this guy... It's good background music with uh, what I'm starting to say about the... Who is... Okay, we're going we're gonna to grab that in just a minute. So anyways, in this movie... That was good. Keep it going. I like that. It was really good. It kind of fit perfect with the movie. So in the movie, you've got a, 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 a very wealthy person who had his own driver, and also they had he had a personal assistant. And so this wealthy person is going on a long trip, and uh, the driver's there in front of the apartment to, to, to pick up uh, his boss. He opens the door, and he stands behind the car, and he opens the trunk. The assistant comes down with all the luggage. And so the assistant comes down and places all the luggage behind the car as the trunk is open. And so you have the, the driver and the assistant are both looking at each other. One was waiting for the other one to put all the luggage in the back of the car. Well, neither one of them would do it because they both were thinking to themselves, this isn't my job. This is beneath me. You're the assistant. You need to put the luggage in the back of the car, in the trunk. And then the driver's thinking the same thing. He's saying, well, you're the assistant. That's beneath me. You need to put the luggage in the back of the car. And it was such a perfect illustration of pride, of thinking, this is beneath me. This isn't, this isn't my job. This isn't what I'm supposed to do. Listen, the Spirit of Christ breaks us of that attitude. I remember um, I worked at Wendy's for a couple of years when I was in, um, woohoo, yeah, uh, for, for like three years in, in high school. And I, I, was, I was a grease monkey. I sat behind the, the grill and I, I knew how to flip burgers like crazy. That's the first place they put me on the first day. And I learned really fast. And, the, and that, was, that wasn't the worst time. Mean, I would come home, just my feet would be greasy. I would just be one big greasy mess after flipping burgers all day. And um, so um, the worst job at Wendy's was cleaning out the grease trap. And if, if any, oh my goodness, any of you ever fast food, you know what I'm talking about. And it was this trap that was outside the back door and you have to lift the, you know, lift the steel thing off it and the grease is down and you have to get all the grease out of there and then it had to be recycled and it was just, nobody wanted to do it. Nobody. And I remember the boss always say, okay, who wants to do the grease traps this month? And no one volunteered. Goes, I'm going to pick somebody. So eventually, you're going to you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do the grease up. And nobody wanted to do it. And I said, Man, you know, I'm always I'm working on the burgers all day. I'm already greasy. Let someone else do it. And I was a pretty new Christian at the time. And I knew this day was coming up where the boss was going to ask someone to do the grease traps. And this is what is it, don't you love this about Jesus? This is what I love about the Spirit of Christ, right? You become a follower of Him. It was like I felt the Spirit of God impress me. Like, Barton, you volunteer to do the grease traps. I'm like, really, Lord? Is this, is this what I signed up for when I became a Christian? Really? I don't. But how many know when the Spirit of Christ begins to work in your heart and your life, He's going to ask you to do things that you don't want to do out of obedience to Him? And so, you know, I'm fighting with the Lord over this, you know, and I'm like, well, I, I you know, yeah, you justify. I'm like, well, I, 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 I flip burgers. I'm, I'm work. I'm already got grease all over me. Isn't that enough, God? Isn't that enough? And um, the Holy Spirit kept convicting me on that. So when the boss says, okay, who's gonna, who wants to sign up for the grease trap this month? You're gonna, I'm gonna pick somebody. You're all gonna have to do it. And I said, I'll do it. And there was like, what? You signed up for that job? And um, it was because of the Spirit of Christ. You know what God was trying to teach me. Is Barton, will you obey me? Will you obey me in the small things? Because if you can't obey me here, you're going to struggle in the larger things in your life. 
And see, what we see in the spirit of Christ and walking with him is that when we understand that we're saved by grace, this is where we can miss it as Christians sometimes. Because we can understand salvation. We can understand what Jesus saved us from and saves us from our sins and gives us eternal life. Everybody say amen. And that, that's the good stuff, right? That's like, yes. But all of a sudden, when he asks us, will you obey me? You see, if we're truly saved by grace, then there's nothing that God can't ask of us. You see, if we're saved by our works, then we can bargain with God. Right? If there's something that I add to my salvation, well, oh, okay, God, I go to church every week and I read my Bible and I do all this good stuff, and then you have a part of it, I have a part of it, then we can kind of bargain with God of what we want to do and what we don't want to do. It's not that way in Christianity. Because if we're completely saved by God's grace, which we didn't earn or merit, it's a gift, right? Then there's nothing that God can't ask of us if we're truly going to serve him. And that's a humbling thing when I realized that I never merited or earned my salvation, that it was a free gift by faith given to us through God and his son, Jesus Christ. And so we need to guard our hearts against this entitled spirit that I, if God asks me to do something, that I can bargain with him and say no. See, what we need to understand is that pride is there at our door. And if we truly understand God's grace, then there's nothing that he cannot ask of me. If my goodness and my works save me, then I can bargain with God. But that's not the way it works. And when I truly come in humility before the Lord, I recognize that, God, you are such a gracious God, and I don't deserve any of this. And what this does is it gives us a grateful heart to want to serve him. Not that we have to, but we get to. We get to serve him. And it's my honor to lay my life down before you to serve you, no matter what the task may be. See, Jesus' humility caused him to be lifted up. Through humility, he suffered on the cross for us. So what is Christ-like humility? What, what does it look like? Well, we first need to expose our hearts because the predisposition of our hearts is to take care of who? To take care of me, right? We're constantly fighting that, right? We all are. And so the predisposition of our heart is to take care of us. Uh, C.S. Lewis's book, uh, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis lived during World War II, great one of my favorite books. But he makes this great observation about pride. He says, if you think you're not conceited, it means that you're very conceited indeed. <laughs> right? It's so true. It's like the old saying, it's hard to be humble when I'm so good. Right? I mean, it's so, it's so true. See, we, we can't say things like, you know, I'll do this job because I'm better than everyone else. Or I'll just do it myself because I, I just, I'll do it better than everybody else. So I might as well just do it ourselves. See, that's pride gripping our hearts. See, humility is having a modest opinion of ourselves. It's a modest opinion of ourselves. And if we don't, pride will rule our hearts. And we must battle our pride and realize it's always hiding in our hearts. Lewis makes this, oh, this is so good. Lewis makes this great observation about pride. This is so true of the condition of our heart. It's just so true. He said, pride gets no pleasure out of having something. Only out of having more of it than the next person. It's so true. 
Now explain by a fishing illustration in just a minute. So hold on. Then he goes on and says this. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. So true. So let me explain. As I was reading this quote, it just convicted me about fishing because none of all you know I hate to fish. So um, it reminds me of this. So, so if you like to fish, and it, it, if, 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 you know that you like to show your pictures off. So everyone knows I like to fish. So when you go out fishing, you always show me your pictures. Hey, Pastor, I went out and, and look at this bass I caught or look at this trout I caught. I want to show you my pictures. Now, now, listen, if we were all fishing and all the fish were the same size and we all caught the same size fish, right? Would you want it to show it to anybody? Not really. It'd be cool. Like, here's my... Oh, good. That's the same size as the one I caught yesterday and the week before and two years before. It's the same size. But the reason we like to show our pictures, why? Because we want to one-up you. We, we want our fish picture to be bigger than yours. So think of it this way. I know when you show me your bass picture, guess what? I got a bigger one. I know that. I know. That's my pride. Because... Because in my office, I've got a nine-pound, seven-ounce bass hanging on my wall. Now, now, if you caught a ten-pounder, you're going to hurt my feelings, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to do what? It's going to bruise my what? My pride. That is such good preaching right there. That's the best illustration you're going to hear all day. But it's so true. Listen, Lewis has it right. The, the pride wells up with us when someone's smarter than us, drives a better car than us, makes more money than us. Right? If, if it's lower than us, we don't care. Somebody say amen. See, this good. You guys are with me. See, this is what we're constantly fighting. And this is what we have to fight in, in, in our hearts. I'm okay as long as, as you're not smarter than me or you're not doing as well as me. See, we must battle. Not only battle it, but we must kill pride or it will win out. This is where the gospel message comes in. And this is where my security in Christ comes in. Knowing what Jesus did for me, I don't care if I have the biggest bass now. Right? I, I don't care if I'm not the smartest person or if you have a better job than me. My security is in Christ and what he did for me. So, so what humility does in Christ, and this is what Jesus... Jesus did for us. What he does for us is he does things for our benefit. Jesus gave his life for us so that we could have eternal life. So when humility is ruling my heart, then I'm going to want the best for other people. I, I want them to be lifted up. I don't need to get the accolades all the time. I don't need to be the center of attention knowing that my identity is in Christ. And that's who serving. That's who I want to be glorified in my life. See, humility is not false modesty. It's not saying, hey, you look great, and then we respond by saying, oh, this whole thing, right, I just threw this together, right? That, that's, that, that's false modesty, right? So how does humility practically look? How does it practically look in our lives? Jesus' example to us is simple. He lifted others up at his own expense. What he shows the disciples by washing their feet is this is the way to the Father. By serving each other. By choosing to serve 
and lift one another up. Jesus' purpose was to glorify and do the will of his Father, even going to the cross for us. A person who walks in humility will lift others up. And this is not flattery. This is encouraging other people. Humility is not having to prove yourself to others or one-up someone else's story. That's not humility. Um, Tom Brokaw, many of you know who Tom Brokaw is. You know, he was a newscaster for so many years. He wrote a book called The Greatest Generation. And in his book, he makes this great observation about the World War II uh, generation, which was a great generation. And um, You ever think, like, in my age, uh, gosh, I got Sorry. I was going to try not to cry this whole sermon, but it didn't work. I got thinking about this as I was studying my message, and... Um, the older I get, I, I wish what I know now and all the documentaries I watch, I wish I could sit down with my grandparents and ask them more questions. Have you ever felt that way? I don't know why I'm so emotional. I, I love both sets of grandparents. They were wonderful. And um, my, my mom's father, he fought in World War II. He actually drove a, a gas tanker to help. Yeah, that's a safe job right over in Germany. He drove a gas tanker to help, um, bring uh, gas supplies to, to the tanks. And... Um, I wish I could ask some more questions. Like, what was it like? You know, my my grandfather got married. He was like at 18. Um, then, you know, my mom, they got married, and my mom's a, a World War II baby. And then, I think if I'm correct, Mom, my grandfather went AWOL for a little bit to go home and see my mom when she was born. He was a great man. What they said about this World War II generation, there's something special about that generation. And this is what Tom Brokaw observed. He said the World War II generation did what was expected of them. But they never talked about it. That was kind of true of my grandfather. It was part of their code. And then he compares it to some things that happened in this in now in this generation. There's no more telling metaphor than a guy in a football game who does what's expected of him, makes an open field tackle, and then gets up and dances around. He said, when Jerry Kramer threw the block that won the Ice Bowl in 1967, that was a year old, 1967 was the championship game that would eventually Green the Packers would go on and play the Super Bowl. He said, when Jerry Kramer threw the block that won the ice bowl in 1967, he just got up and walked off the field. That's all he did. You see, Philippians 2.8 tells, tells us this, that Jesus made a choice to humble himself. He made a choice. He wasn't humbled. He humbled himself. Now, how many, of us, how many of us know it's no fun to be humbled? And, and God will do that in our lives once in a while, won't he? He'll humble us. And it's like, those are always the fun moments, walking with God when he does humble us. But what the Greek word there literally means is this, is to make low or bring low. And what Jesus does for our benefit 
is he made himself low. The God of the universe made himself low, came in the incarnation to be placed in a manger, to walk in the filth of this world, to purchase us back. Think of Jesus as he kneels before his disciples and washes their filthy feet to serve them, to show them the heart of the Father. That's the gospel message. When we get that, it will break the pride in our heart and that we will say, there is nothing beneath me that I will not do, God, if you ask me to. If it means cleaning out grease traps, if it means serving my grumpy neighbor and baking him a pie and just bring it to him anyways and just say, I just want you to know I love you. You drive me nuts, but I love you, right? In Jesus' name, God bless you, right? Hell is hot and long. You need Jesus, right? But listen, the spirit of Christ breaks us of the want to be noticed and to be better all the time. Jesus chose this. And I love this definition because we can choose humility now in Christ Jesus. We can choose it. Not because it's, it's to make us look better or to give us accolades with God or perform for God. That's not it at all. Because there's nothing we could do to ever make God love us more. It's all done through his son Jesus. But when we can choose humility and say, I'm going to choose to serve regardless of the circumstances or regardless if I'm going to get any accolades back or if anyone's going to write me a thank you note or if anyone's going to pat me on the back, I'm going to choose to serve regardless because of what Jesus did for me. See, that's where we know that our certain... Listen, all of us struggle in that area. We do. We all struggle because we want the accolades. We want to be noticed. But when we choose humility, we do it regardless of what we're going to get back because we're doing it for Christ. So what Jesus does is he willingly becomes low for us, so low that he hung on a cross for us. And so the gospel message, if you get this, is one of lowliness. It's one of of us humbling ourselves before God, realizing we don't deserve a thing. So the question I want to ask you today is this. Is this. What area of your life are you struggling with to walk in lowliness? Is it that cantankerous neighbor? Is it that difficult boss? Is it a relationship that is broken? That God is telling you, you need to go and you need to humble yourself, and you need to reach out, and you need to extend forgiveness. You may not get it back, but I'm calling you to give it, and I'm calling you to reach out. And we can only, listen, we can only do that in the spirit of Christ, because I can't do it in my strength, because my pride's too much there and everything, but that needs to be broken. But in the spirit of Christ, may God cause us to lead the way in lowliness, in humility, in the way we serve not only each other here in the church, but how we serve the world, how we serve those who don't deserve it. Because every single one of us watching online and in this room 
did not deserve the salvation that was given to us through Jesus Christ. Remind yourself of that. That's how much Jesus loves us. His love drove him to the cross and to give his life as a ransom for you you and I. So just think of it this way. When you feel slighted, you feel things aren't going your way, when you look at our country, right? You see this side fighting with this side and everybody's fighting for their rights. I've got rights, right? Listen, in Christ Jesus, we laid our rights down at the foot of the cross. You were purchased. You are not your own, but you were purchased through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have a voice or we shouldn't speak, so please don't write any hate mail tomorrow, right? So, I'm not saying that, okay? But let's do it in lowliness. Lowliness of heart. Understanding that none of us in this place deserve God's grace. And this world needs to see God's lowliness in us so that they're drawn to the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? So may we have that spirit of lowliness in us as we walk in God's grace and we're thankful for it. So just keep preaching. I tell you this all the time. Keep preaching the gospel to yourself every single day and it will break pride creeping in to your heart. What a beautiful Savior we serve. I'm thankful for God's Word. I'm thankful that it corrects us, it trains us, it rebukes us, it trains us in all areas of righteousness. We need His Word in our hearts every day. We need Christ's Spirit to lead us and guide us, especially in our world today. We need His Spirit. And so let's live it out in the way we love each other and how we serve each other, right? It's hard to complain when you're serving, right? So let's serve each other. Let's love with Christ's love and let it be seen in our humility and our lowliness of mind as we live it out before this world, that they would see Christ and see something different in us by the way we treat not only each other, but the world. I'm going to shut up. That's it. That's the end of the sermon right there. So let me pray for you and, and pray for our church. And pray for whatever situation that you're battling with to show lowliness in. Christ's Spirit would fill you. And that you would do it for Him. Not for yourself, our self-glorification, but for Christ and Christ alone, that He would be glorified in our lives. Amen. Father God, we just come before you and we need your help. Thank you for your patience with us. Lord, but help us to be remindful every single day of the price you paid, Jesus, for us and our waywardness and our rebellion. You paid a price for us. And I thank you that you chose to serve. You chose to be brought low. You chose the way of a servant to reach us. Help us, God, as we struggle with our pride, as we struggle with maybe being unfairly mistreated many times. God, help us to understand you were treated unfairly. That you were misunderstood. That you suffered on our behalf. Help us to keep coming back to you knowing that you understand and that we can find our identity and our identity alone in Christ. 
not by what we do, but who we are in you. Give us the confidence and the security to know that we can choose lowliness and be vulnerable in doing that, knowing that you're with us and that we're glorifying you. So help us, Lord. Thank you for your word today. We love you. We praise you. We just want to be careful to ask these things. In northern name, the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior. And all God's children said, Amen. We just thank God for his word today. He deserves it. Amen. Amen. Praise God.